fellow queerdos welcome 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 in welcome to the carpenter queens podcast coming to you live from the employee bathroom at the tcq video store where you can find the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day welcome in fellow queerdos i am the writer director producer and cinematographer for stab your way to skinny the michael myers speed walking exercise <laughs> tape Raymond. Oh my God. Oh, what a prestige, the honor that we have. And hi, everybody. I am the family curse that just won't die, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> hi, everyone. Welcome, guys. Welcome to this week's episode. Wee! Is everybody good? Did everybody go to the counselor because of last week's episode? Oh, I mean, Jesus. we needed to. The, the trauma. The trauma. The trauma was way too real last week. <laughs> Well, thankfully, we have a much lighter movie on the slab for today, which I'm really excited about. I'm very excited about this one. Um, I will admit, I haven't seen this one fully. I know bits and pieces. So the fact that I was able to fully like watch it, was, Jesus Christ, I should have known what I got myself in for due to mm-hmm. a John Waters film. John Waters. I love it. The Sultan of like bad taste. What did they call him? The king of bad taste is apparently his moniker. I love it. I love and it. And he I wears can't... it with honor. He really does. And it's it fits him beautifully. But <laughs> hello, we have 1,000 listens. Holy <gasps> shit. It's so exciting. What? <laughs> a thousand listens. Like we have people out there listening to us a thousand times. That's weird. That's crazy. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I can't believe it. We have recently found out that we hit the UK, Australia, Japan, Russia, and Germany. That is so crazy. We're international. Not a joke, just a fact. We're global, bitch. Like, what? Thank y'all for for the listen. Seriously, it's crazy to think that there's people in other countries listening to sit here and gab about (laughs) horror movies. We hope you guys are having a good time. But thank you, everybody. This is just beyond are honestly my expectations so i can't wait to go onward and upward it's lashawn beyond my expectations so. <laughs> this is not rupaul's best friend no right? sherlock and yeah thank you thank you guys i really appreciate it how are you doing what how's life after this wonderful milestone life is getting to a normal spot i feel like we're mm-hmm. slowly getting there Mm-hmm. Um, here in California, Los Angeles specifically, we just like moved into the least restrictive tier, which means things are opening up even more now, mm-hmm. which is both scary and nice, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> After a year of living in quarantine, it's really hard to just like jump back into normal life. Oh, I know. I can't. Add, uh, the anxieties, the anxieties are mm-hmm. very real. It's very present. And uh, I hope. I'm not the only one feeling that way because there's a lot of big things happening for people this year. Weddings are starting to come back up again. People are doing events and things again. So it's kind of hard to like, how do I adjust to this new norm when I barely even adjusted to the old, what I just experienced (laughs) here? Right, Right? like I feel like we just got used to being in quarantine and now we're like, oh, just kidding. We are going back to normal life. 
Oh, I know. Like, Disney's opening up, and that's very exciting. I know that it's very limited capacity right now, but it's it's neat to see kind of life going again. Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're operating like at 25% capacity, and it's been amazing to see on Instagram and YouTube how it's like, not, I don't want to say deserted, but how nice the park looks when it's not shoulder to shoulder crowds. Yeah, yeah it, get, it can get disgusting. I don't know though, because like I did see a couple of pictures, not to call anyone out or like, I guess judge, but I guess I kind of am. I don't know, whatever. But of so what is the truth? The people first coming into the park when it finally opened and they were crying. I don't know if I like <laughs> Disney that much that I'm crying. I don't get me wrong. We are big fanatics, but mm -hmm. like, it was a I bit much. <laughs> yeah. Like, girl, there's other things going on in the world. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real, though. Like, look, she's crying. Do you hear her crying? Like, we care. I don't give up. I, I mean, for, I don't even want to touch the one, in all honesty. <laughs> it was a weird thing to say. It was a weird thing to say. Let's just say that. Uh, I understand that the theme park's opening back up brings some sense of normalcy back to mm -hmm. people's lives. And it, it definitely brings back like um, where people feel comfortable and where they feel mm. happiest. So maybe Very that's down. why they felt so over overcome with the Welsh and, uh, excuse me, emotion. But <laughs> it's just strange to see somebody react that way to a theme park when literally people were dying. So yeah, like it's, so I understand, and it's difficult, especially with everything moving forward. But I mean, step by step, mile by mile, do what you can because mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. and Richard are both fully vaxxed. Mm -hmm. uh, I just recently finished getting my last fax. Uh, hey, hey, yo, is there an anal option? <laughs> <laughs> so that's exciting. I felt like crap yesterday but today's looking a little bit better so that's great it gives us a little bit things to look forward to we talked about like visiting each other possibly in the future mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like it like i'm eager to get things started but I, it's hard to get things started totally totally valid and uh i don't know hopefully like as we like slowly gradually move into some sort of normalcy maybe we'll feel a little more comfortable <laughs> getting out and about because even Richard and I just went to the Mystic Museum this past weekend for with Beer <gasps> Lady Vintage. Mm -hmm. We got to see Camp Horror. All of it is A1. I highly recommend anybody who is local in Los Angeles to hit up Bearded Lady Vintage, Mystic Museum, Camp Horror. They're all owned by the same people. So it's literally so store sick. by store by store. It's really dope. It's in Burbank. Look it up, guys. I, I miss Burbank so much. I'm probably going to post something about it on the Instagram. So if you'd like to see Ray's picture at Slashback Video, please go to our Instagram at The Carpenter Queens. Look at that plug. I'm getting so good at this shit. Hey, <laughs> we're sounding like professionals now. I know. Way to go. Go team. Well, so we're going to move on to our next thing. We're going to move on to the Slice News update. A lot of things. There's a lot of murmurs. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of horror. It's very exciting because we're getting closer and closer to the Mecca of all holidays. And when the Mecca of all holidays happens, Halloween, we get mm -hmm. some excellent stuff coming forward. So it's cool to see things that are being developed. Uh, first up. It looks like Paramount Plus Premiere is planning to release a new installment in the Paranormal Activity series. Currently, Christopher Landon, who wrote Happy Death Day and Freaky, is currently on board. We also have underwater director William Eubank. So that sounds really neat. First thoughts? Feelings? 
there's so many paranormal activity <laughs> movies. There's so many. Um, I like Christopher Landon. I enjoyed uh, Happy That Day. It's not my favorite, but I enjoyed it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fun. Um, I didn't get to, I haven't seen Freaky yet, but I, I do want to see it. I don't, oh, Underwater. That's the one you keep getting me to watch with Kristen Stewart, right? I really enjoyed Underwater. I also really liked Happy Death Day. Uh, I can agree and disagree about Paranormal Activity because I think the first three fucking fun. I love them. I think what it did was awesome. Words, Mm -hmm. adjectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gets a little lackluster as it moves along, but there's still some really solid gems in there because I think I like the fifth one, the marked ones. That one was really fucking cool. I loved what they did with that one. I love like the 1981 that they do. I think that's the third one. Yeah, 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 with the little girls. Mm -hmm. See, but the marked ones is like, what I feel like a spinoff, almost like Annabelle or whatever, off of the series. I feel like it's mm-hmm. not really like a main part of the main storyline, mm-hmm. um, which is, I guess, if that's what they're trying to go for here, I guess it might work like if they went on some sort of tangent. I'm, I want to see a trailer. <laughs> Give me a trailer. You have your ears perked up. Yeah, sort of. Half one ear is perked up. <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to Viacom CBS CEO Bob Backish states new original movies like paranormal activity and the in-between will premiere on paramount plus by the end of 2021 reported by the hollywood reporter today the new movie is being described as an quote unexpected an unexpected retooling of the franchise end quote but will continue the found footage design unexpected retooling of the franchise what the fuck does that mean, what the fuck does that mean? i don't know we're going to be using people's cameras from their driveways now instead of oh. <laughs> i don't know i don't we know we have what rain cameras do? now that's <laughs> cameras Sponsored by Ring. Ooh, <laughs> they have uh, drone footage now. <laughs> it's I don't know. I don't know how you can like keep the found footage like style and be mm. quote unquote unexpected retooling. That doesn't really make sense to me. But I guess prove me wrong. What else? New teaser trailer dropped for the fourth season of Netflix Stranger Things. The new footage showcases the Hawkins National Laboratory where gifted children are being experimented on, similar to Eleven's Stay in the Lab, suggesting an origin story for Eleven. The gag of the trailer is Dr. Brenner making an appearance. Ooh, I still haven't so seen exciting. the trailer, so I'm you just finding that out now. No, I haven't seen the trailer. Oh my god, it's... I'm a fanatic for Stranger Things. I don't care if people don't like it. The last mm-hmm. season is probably my favorite season. It's really like mecha 80s. I love mm-hmm. this. This is one with the mall, right? Oh, yeah. With the mall, I thought the mm-hmm. storylines finally were like moving at a pace that made sense for the story. Um, I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see what they do. I know you're a pretty big fan. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, mm-hmm. I, I had to clear because I feel like it's been so long since we got a new season of Stranger Things mm-hmm. that I wasn't sure if I was caught up. But yeah, I watched that last season. Well, un- <clears throat> unfortunately, it was really caught back because of COVID times. So mm-hmm. we weren't able to get everything. But uh, season four is still in production, actually. And it is likely we will receive a new season next year. But encouraging words were stated by the Duffer Brothers for the new season. Quote, season four is shaping up to be the biggest and most frightening season yet. And we cannot wait for everyone to see more. <laughs> I know. I thought the third season had like a delicious like creepy understanding of like 80s horror and it Mm -hmm. really played an homage to it multiple times throughout the season and it also had like this almost i want to say like goonies essence to it yeah trying to figure out this mystery and decode this message yeah it was Mm -hmm. really good 
because the first season kind of gave me the vibes of like a Steven Spielberg uh, encounter, like uh, Close Encounters of the th- yeah, kind of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like a slower 1970s like alien film, and it was still mm-hmm. excellent. And it, the second season kind of got lost for a second. I thought there was a lot of things that they're trying to do. So I'm excited to see where they go because I think it'll be fun. I'm a huge fan of the Duffer Brothers. And that music, bitch. Oh my God. It's one of my favorite. Don't even get me started on that soundtrack. <laughs> I am a huge synth head and that is an amazing soundtrack. All three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. And finally, Netflix is turning the Dark Horse comic series Lady Killer into a feature film. Currently, Diablo Cody is attached to write the adaptation as well as Blake Lately onto Star. The main plot being a perfect 1950s housewife who leads a secret life as a highly trained killer for hire. I am on board. Diablo, <laughs> Cody, Lady uh, Killer, Dark Horse Comics. I'm in. 1950s housewife who's a serial killer by night? Yes. Oh, I'm so for, like, check, 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 check. Ding, ding, bitch. Give me, take my money. Are you fucking my money. kidding me? This is made for gay men, I feel like. <laughs> a, a fucking, like, housewife who's hot. She's going to be a kill, like, a man killer by night. Like, Yes absolutely you're you know the demographic you're going for mm-hmm. and i'm here mm-hmm. for it. diablo cody's having a good time um was, she just wrote the script for the madonna biopic madonna is supposed to direct it and of course i'm gonna watch it whether that gonna be weirdly good or a train wreck and i need to see what happens oh wow yeah same oh, why is madonna gonna direct it that sounds like <laughs> i don't know. gonna be a train wreck but hopefully they'll steer clear or something i don't know I'm excited. I cannot wait. But like you said, Dark Horse comic, ding. The, just the title alone pulls you in. Lady Killer, Diablo mm-hmm. Cody. I love Blake Lively. Everything. Everything is checking my boxes and I can't wait to see it. Apparently Blake is also producing it as well. So that mm. means great things. So we're going to move on to this week's movie. Are y'all ready for a crazy campy killer in time? So excited. This is our first like dark comedy this is our first john waters film probably mm-hmm. our last depending on how long he receives it <laughs> <laughs> but no honestly this is probably his most mainstream probably least dirty film so which is so funny that you say that just because the the words that are, are used in this script i was <laughs> i had a i had to clutch my pearls a couple of times i was like she said what you shut your mouth when you're talking to me mind you i watched this like I was like 10 probably when I watched this. <laughs> so that just goes to show my upbringing. Uh, this is like, this has been a running theme that you've been brought up multiple times that no one was watching what you were watching. <laughs> no one, no one was monitoring what I was watching and half the time it was being shown to me by either my brother or my mom. So <laughs> I, it's not like I was sneaking away to a friend's house to go watch these dirty movies. I was watching them at home. I love the influence. I love this influence, and I can't wait to talk about it. Listeners, <laughs> this week, we are talking about the 1994 camp classic, Serial Mom, written and directed by John Waters. Life doesn't have to be ugly. Look at the birds out there. Listen to their call. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. This is the story of Beverly Sutton. Scramble eggs, anybody? A devoted mother. I'm so happy I could chip. You know how I hate the brown word. A loving wife. You think the kids are awake? We could be very quiet. I'm ready. Honey, you're hot tonight. (laughs) 
and a suspected murderer. Oh, kids, are you doing your homework? How did America's number one mom turn into one of America's most wanted? Is she really guilty? Are you a serial killer? Chip, the only serial I know anything about is Rice Krispies. Is she the only one with a motive? Believe that damn litter bugger. Give her a happy face. Or is there someone else? I'm stood up. I'll kill that jerk. With an axe to grind. Oh. You'll never get a boyfriend. Meanwhile, this small Baltimore suburb Please! keeps getting smaller ah! and smaller. It's been a crazy day, hasn't it? Savoy Pictures asks the burning question, Is your wife mental? Is Beverly Sutphin just a sweet suburban housewife? I don't know what it is about today, but I feel great. Cookie? Or is she... Serial Mom? Cool. Is she in a band? Kathleen Turner, Sam Waterston, and Ricky Lake. Serial Mom. Every woman wants to be wanted. Just not for murder one. 420, what you smoking? Uh, this week, because I love this movie so much, I had to like, I wanted to go the classic route. I rode myself a cute ass little joint and had myself a merry old time. And I just sat back and relaxed and watched this wild ride of a movie that just accelerates so quickly. You are not fucking kidding. I was not ready, but I love that. You're so classy. She's Kathleen Turner sitting back and joining mm-hmm. a cute little joint. Uh, this week I partaked with going back to my bowl because she's quick and easy, down and dirty, and that's what I needed because a girl needs hey. to get going. Especially right? for a John Waters film. Seriously, thank you. <laughs> I got to do the occasion. This, recently, I picked up at Livewell, one of the dispensaries here in Colorado. First of, I love how affordable it is. I will state that. I smoked cookies, and holy shit, it was nice and soft and bouncy cookies. when I touched it. Mm-hmm. Like a cookie. Hybrid. Uh-uh. <laughs> Talking about my cookies. Anything. Hey. Hey. It was delicious. It's a hybrid. So it kept me focused, and I was laid back because this movie is just ridiculous. And I, love every, I loved every second of it. This movie is amazing. And for those of you who haven't watched it, prepare yourselves. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say is prepare yourselves. I, I dug the format. It honestly felt like a really dirty Lifetime original movie that nobody was supposed to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely that. I love the like faux, um, like the time stamps and the like uh the beginning movie where it gives you the warnings of like how this is real and da 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 and nobody was compensated for their participation it's so good the format that they chose to that the format that waters chose to use really just gives it this like extra campy seal of approval on top of it i can't wait to talk about it yes so, listeners, Serial Mom, released on April 13th, 1984. It has a runtime of 93 minutes. Our taglines. She's fabulous, loving, caring mother who happens to be a serial killer. Every mom wants to be wanted, but not for murder one. At least she meant well. Okay, I'm, I have to talk about the middle one. I couldn't, I couldn't tell if it was, like, my high brain or, like, what? This tagline doesn't make sense to me. 
Every mom wants to be wanted, but not for murder one. You don't understand. John and I stood there for 10 minutes, both of us just going, every mom wants to be wanted, not for murder one, trying to find where the fucking <laughs> emphasis was supposed to be. Am I the only one? Like, for some reason, it feels like one shouldn't be there. It sounds like it should be every mom wants to be wanted, but not for murder. Yeah. The, like, what? I, <laughs> <laughs> no, what? I get it. I, I, It was a little... Uh, I was thrown a little off guard as well, but I think they mean like murder in the first degree, murder one, but I, it would have been better just shave that one off. I, this is my own, this is my biggest critique. I, I can't we look like fucking fools just sitting there. Murder one, murder, murder. murder. <laughs> brought you frankincense. Thank you. And I brought you mur. Thank you. Murder. <gasps> Judas. Breakdown. Uh, directed and written by John Waters. Do do I need to explain John Waters? I feel like there I might be some listeners, who, but I feel like there's some listeners who don't know John Waters. He is the the king of bad taste. The his filmography: Divine, Hairspray, Serial Mom, Pecker, Gay Camp, so overtly campy and gay and perversive and perverted and just, mm-hmm. so john waters is an american uh, filmmaker actor writer and i i'm also going to use artist and also yeah. famous like uh what are they called hitchhiker famous hitchhiker he wrote a book about him hitchhiking all across america he's known for cult films and cult classics like mm-hmm. uh multiple maniacs pink flamingos female trouble which were all Mm -hmm. released in the 70s and were insane and sort of catapulted him to this weird filmmaker yeah filmmaker he also directed uh the 1988 film hairspray classic Um, everyone they based the entire musical off of it exactly it was a movie that was turned into a musical on broadway that was then turned into a movie based on a movie that was based off of a musical that was based off of a movie also known for crybaby uh pecker and polyester classic and wonderful filmmaker all right so let's get to this stacked ass cast it's really nice so (laughs) it's an amazing cast and that's what i love about john waters films is that one he almost always uses the same cast in all his movies but that's because they work so well together it's true but leading up as our main character miss beverly sutfin serial mom herself is the one the only kathleen turner oh my god kathleen i love her voice i could listen to her read the fucking phone Mm -hmm. book i would it's (laughs) (laughs) Her voice is just so sultry. Uh, if those who don't know mm-hmm. her, I, romancing, I know her from Romancing the Stone. That's what I was going to say. It was Romancing the Stone. And uh, she's also the voice of Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Oh my God, she is. Huh? She is. We have two famous voice actors. We have Kathleen Turner of Jessica Rabbit fame. And I'll bring up mm-hmm. our second one later because I was so stoked when I saw it. Okay, continue with the cast. <laughs> uh, coming up is uh, Sam Watterson playing Eugene Sutphin, his wife. 
So yeah, we have uh, Eugene, we have Sam Watterson, known from Law and Order fame, uh, always known as the series type. And I was taken aback from him because I knew him from Law and Order. So to see him in this type of movie was really funny for me because he's always so fucking yeah. serious. Uh, coming up next is Ricky Lake playing Misty Stuffin, their daughter. Another John Waters legend. Oh, wait, no, this is her third one. This is her third movie with John Waters. She did Crybaby and Hairspray previously. Playing their son, Chip Stuffin, is none other than Matthew Lillard, pre-Scream fame. This is actually his movie debut. Technically, this is his feature film, like, uh, leading role debut. The only other credit that he had <laughs> was Ghoulies Go to College, which went straight to video. Which was <laughs> Ghoulies, the, those little monster things? Like, was it, it was the third in the Ghoulies series. <laughs> oh my god. I've never seen a Ghoulies film. No one should. Wig, okay. <laughs> choked in my water <laughs> <laughs> all right coming up next we have scott wesley morgan as detective pike walt mcpherson as detective gracie mink stole as Dottie hinkle and if you don't know who mink stole is i only know her from john waters films and honesty <laughs> so but she's amazing an amazing like character actress so campy she's and so dark. good in this i she's love so it fucking funny in this her character arc is wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is and then rounding out our cast we have mary joe cart excuse me mary joe catlett as rosemary ackerman aka mrs puff from spongebob squarepants Oh, Neptune. Do you have any, every time she spoke, I'm like, oh, this isn't like a character. Like, this is her voice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I gagged. I gagged. And I especially just loved her character and the fact that she was oh, yeah. this mm-hmm. is so good. I was rolling. It was so funny. I've watched this movie a million times and and a million times since SpongeBob has come out, I never connected the two. I never realized that that was No, never realized it. The minute I heard her voice, I paused the fucking movie. It was like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> you better stop everything. I was record so scratch. <laughs> this but that's so funny. Like out of the whole cast, because we also get guest appearances of Joan Rivers and some Suzanne Summers up in this bitch. But mm-hmm. her appearance was the one that had me going, oh, oh my god. <laughs> it's Mrs. Puff. You're so it's stupid. So it's so good. Uh, we also have an uncredited voice role of Ted Bundy, played by n- none other than John Waters himself. That's of course. You know, when he wrote in the script, he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to voice Ted Bundy. <laughs> I'm going I'm to fucking do it. This is what I do, baby. This is what I do. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, so on to reviews. Uh, IMDb gave Serial Mom a 6.8 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 64 out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes was a 64% on the tomato meter and an audience score 72%. And at the box office, it made a seven, it made back 7.8 million, which was considered a flop slash bomb. Yeah, it was definitely considered. But like, I'm not really like when, so I read up on some of the reviews. There was one in particular that was like two stars and like, this is trying so hard to do something. And like the reviews on it, I'm like, have you not seen any? Like John, John Waters, Waters films. I I'm almost like certain that they did it because up until this point, and still so, John Waters is mainly a cult filmmaker. He doesn't make Fair blockbusters. Too. He doesn't get funding from studios because he makes very quote unquote risque, 
you know, movies or bad, you know, what people would call bad taste. Bullshit, Vivian. And I know exactly. Bullshit. I've, I've Bullshit. Seen... A red wig and a silver dress. I don't think. Um, these movies are not for everybody and they offend no. most people. Um, yes, they do. So, you know, it's just because uh, a big production company backed up this movie and gave him $13 million to work with doesn't mean you're going to get your money back. And just because you got some big names like Kathleen Turner and Sam Watterson to be in the movie doesn't guarantee ticket sales. Absolutely not. So when I found out that this was considered a box office bomb, I, I wasn't really taken aback or honestly surprised. <laughs> right. Nor did I, nor did it like cast judgment for me. Honestly, no. it was like, oh, thank God. Like, ugh, that, that, <laughs> that makes me happy to see <laughs> in a weird subversive way. Cause it's just John Waters. Every time I think of John Waters, I'm supposed to be in some weird way turned off. Uh, annoyed and maybe offended at some points mm -hmm. but that's just John Waters and it's also done with like such a wink wee nudge nudge way mm -hmm. that you're also in on the joke and if you don't get the joke that's the point <laughs> exactly and if you don't get the joke then this movie's not for you this movie is for people with a dark sense of humor thank you and I think that's such an excellent point when it comes to John Waters filmography because a lot of people have like either preconceived notions about it or just like downright criticism on it like the way that it's done but they're not understanding like the subculture that it's coming from and the importance it has for people especially like the queer community because this movie is so fucking gay it is so fucking gay <laughs> and it knows it and it loves it and it basks in that like <sighs> subversive genre of like the offensive and hilarious at the same time it's yeah such a weird it's like movie for me offensive crude dark comedy with 50s nostalgia attached to it it's an insane wild ride it is it is it really is so continuing on to our like production and what I could scrap up about this movie, uh, the film is shot throughout, of course, John Waters' classic setting of Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. He stated in the behind the scenes that every movie he's ever done was in Baltimore. It would have just been bad yeah. luck if he didn't do it. Uh, it was also done in the northern suburb of Townsend. The VHS store used in the film was the actual local video store John Waters would frequent. And of course he would do that. It's he's such like a hometown hero like it's yeah. so interesting i love it i love that every movie he's made isn't based in his small little town of maryland um because he didn't see that on the screen at all he didn't see his town and so he wanted to bring his town to the big screen and so that's why he set every movie in baltimore maryland and i love it because it just like it makes like when I think of John Waters, that's what I think of. I think of bad taste. <laughs> I think of being stole <laughs> and I think of Baltimore, Maryland. So John Waters, I love that he does this all the time because what it adds to it is to, is to see like different stories showcased in Baltimore. And I know that's his point, but I, when people say like, it's just like in poor taste or it's not good. I always, I have always considered John Waters kitschy. Like at the end of the day, I think the best word you could describe him is like, nasty kitschy shit and like <laughs> if anyone's seen the infamous divine clip of divine literally licking dog poo you will understand that that's where that come from like he's mm -hmm. weird and he's so punk rock like he's such a badass yeah he's a filmmaker with some stank on him 
Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that he's unapologetically himself and his upbringing along with the weird things that he's done in his life. Like you, he just it culminates in his movies. And this was one of them because he talked about on behind the scenes that he used to go to court hearings. He used to sit because, you know, you like you can go to courts and listen to these cases. And he used to go when he was younger. He used to go town to town and listen and to he these enjoyed wild it. cases. Yes. And he was talking <laughs> about it in behind the scenes like he can't do it anymore because now people recognize him. But before he got famous, he loved going to courthouses and just listening in on these cases. And I was like, That's crazy. That's definitely a hobby. That's definitely a hobby. And if anybody doesn't know what John Waters looks like, please look him up because you will never forget what John Waters looks like. Uh, he's got the most beautiful, He's, got, he's a Vincent Price knockoff. He, <laughs> and he would take that as a compliment. He would totally take that as a compliment. Yes, he would. Yes, he, you're welcome, bitch. You're welcome. Continuing. Uh, the high school is the same one that him and Divine had attended, which is so interesting because he did mention that Divine used to get beat up every single day at this high school and have to be walked home by the police. So to then come back to this high school that let him shoot this crazy fucking film. It's got to be such like a crazy 180 for him. But I love that eventually there was this like openness afterwards after what unfortunately had to go through. Yeah, it's good to like go back to where you were, I guess, essentially traumatized and be kind of like take that power back. That's such an excellent way to put it. Uh, but moving on, Waters stated that the hardest location to secure was apparently the church scene. And I could see why that was a I little c- difficult to do. <laughs> I could definitely see why. Uh, so the original choice of Beverly was Susan Sarandon, but her asking price was too high for the, quote, low-budget film. So other considerations for the character of Beverly Sutphin were Meryl Streep, Kathy Bates, Glenn Close, and even Dame Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> what can you imagine meryl 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 kathy glenn close i would have lo- i can't imagine julie i can't <laughs> imagine julie saying any of these words i understand her mouth. why they would have considered julie andrews because it would have been such a juxtaposition is such a total 180 from what she, she does and what she's known for she no she wouldn't know oh man so i love her to bits, but she doesn't have the ring <laughs> kathleen was immediately <laughs> casted as the other actresses were too demanding or wanted the script to be changed before they came on board kathleen turner loved the role and didn't make any demands come on i love that she was so willing to s- say all these words, go fucking nuts with this script and just have a good time because that's what I felt the whole time. Like, it's just like a weird, fun film. It really is. It's, she just like, she went for it. And she I did. feel like that's what you she have really to do. Like, if, like, okay, if I were an actor and John Waters emailed me a script and like, hey, I have you in mind for this character, I wouldn't even read the script. Wouldn't even know. I, w- I, would I, would yes. I wouldn't have either. I would have been, am I the dog? I will, I, who am I? I don't care. I will be dressed as a tree in the background. The ASPCA, the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, refused to allow them to kill the fly on set from the breakfast like opening scene. Mm-hmm. So the art director had to make like a fake dead fly. Am I the only one that finds that kind of ridiculous? A little. Fly. I mean, yeah. flies die in like 24 hours, girl. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I guess the ASPCA has to protect every animal every- and not just dogs and cats and shit, I guess. Go. I mean, hey, no discrimination here. <laughs> okay, so 
my favorite fucking fact that I found off of this one was that the copyright holders of the song Tomorrow from the musical Annie, which I can't play either, charged $60,000 for the rights to be used for the song because, quote, the explicit content in which the song was used in the film. And it's ridiculous because that scene is so fucking stupid and I can't (gasps) believe this. I can't believe this. It's so good. And maybe it's because I only seen it with the song tomorrow but i i can't imagine it any other way this scene <laughs> wait you don't know you don't know this you don't know the song before no i do no, no no i uh, do i'm saying i've never uh, seen like the scene like i can't imagine the scene with any other song playing throughout <laughs> this is true this is very true it works so fucking well it's so <laughs> ridiculous what was with it with 90s movies because this movie referenced annie and then they also referenced annie in the adams family values when they make him watch all of those vhs's in that cabin i (laughs) I think because (laughs) annie is considered a like wholesome like family movie yeah Mm -hmm. so because it's it's also mentioned again when i get to my notes it's the influence of like these family films (laughs) that are making people horrible so Before we begin on this week's movie, just a quick word from our sponsors. The film opens with a text. This is like the second week in a row where people are making me read and it's just a little ridiculous. But moving (laughs) on, it states, This film is a true story. The screenplay is based on court testimony, sworn declarations, and hundreds of interviews conducted by the filmmakers. Some of the innocent character names have been changed in the interest of a larger truth. No one involved in the crimes received any form of financial compensation. And then title card. I, John Waters, you already got me from the jump. The minute that I saw this, <laughs> this little sequence, I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So this is the movie that we're doing. Yeah. It's really good. It's a, I, like you said, I think it sets the tone for the movie. Like as soon as you saw that with a name like Serial Mom with Kathleen Turner as the star, <laughs> like, what do you expect? It's, well, I was honestly just taken aback a quick second when it first opened, just because I remember bits and pieces of this movie, but I remember the full story. So the fact that the format and the setup for this movie is that it's like a true crime documentary drama. Like mockumentary almost. Yeah, and that's what I mean by, because this whole movie, even like the lens that they use and the tones that they use feels like, a lifetime original movie based off of some mom that actually went on a rampage in Wisconsin. <laughs> in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And I think this is pr- probably the most like commercial to digest of John Waters movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This, this is his most like quote unquote mainstream movie that he's made to date. Yeah, so the film opens at breakfast with the Sutphin family. We are introduced to Beverly Sutphin, her husband, who's a dentist, Eugene, and their teenage kids, Misty and Chip, in the suburb of Baltimore. While they have their morning routine, the family is discussing a new serial killer that apparently earned his degree in jail. But the whole time, Beverly is focused on a fly that's disturbing her perfect morning. Mm. I love this opener. It's so stupid. It's weird. I, it in my eyes, it's the perfect way to begin your movie. It sets up your characters, it sets up yeah. your context and everything. You, hello, like total 50s vibes. The kid's name are Chip and Misty. She's like this stay at home 50s wife. Her husband's a dentist. 
she's making breakfast for her family in the morning mm -hmm. and then this fly is just ruining her morning and she's so fixated on it. Like almost like like a cat that's just like trying to get it. She's so frustrated trying to kill this fucking fly. It's <laughs> hilarious. So it just shows like, oh yes, with this cute little fifties family, but a little deeper. Something's a little off with the mom. But that's what's so weird about this movie because yes, I do agree. It is the perfect setup. Just because like it's very laid out and you understand these characters really quickly. Misty, I find hilarious and i would also want to be her friend ricky lake is an amazing just it's always just ricky lake playing ricky lake to be quite honest <laughs> and then we get her killing the fly and the music cues that go on with it are so <laughs> yeah. dramatic like she just shot someone in front of her family <laughs> yeah. it's the music is really underplayed in this movie because it really helps set the <laughs> so tone good. and drive the story it's so good but it's good. It's a great setup. Uh, she kills the flight. It's pretty disgusting, which is why I guess why the ASPCA was so hot on the topic. We are in intercut between scenes, or not intercut, but edited into the scenes are timestamps and dates and times. So it gives you this one, like a paper trail of a timeline, but it also gives you the sense like this is a true crime, like mockumentary it's like you said it's very much like what you would see on lifetime when they're saying like oh okay this happened this date and this happened this day which is why it's i was support. half expecting like law and order dun -dun, between like <laughs> each setup like to be quite honest i yeah. think it's really smart but i also think it's really interesting that john waters was like on the trend before like really true crime like documentaries and dramas were a thing because now there's just like a ridiculous oh amount God. of them there's a new one on Netflix. There's a podcast dedicated to it. There's mm -hmm. a whole, literally channels dedicated to just like murders. And in, serial killers. Honestly. So that's, he was on the pulse before everyone else was. Yeah. And he talked about it in like on the behind the scenes footage I was watching on my special features. He was saying that he was inspired by the people, like the women who would write these serial killers and were fascinated with them, wanted to marry them. Um, I forgot what he called them. There was a term for these women. One of them actually male married a serial killer while he was in prison. Um, so he was fascinated by that and how the media turned these serial killers into quote unquote superstars. You know, they were on mm -hmm. the color of, cover of every magazine and tabloid. They were on the news. They were this, they were primetime specials. They were celebrities. And really John were. was Still fascinated are. by it. And so that's why he decided to make this movie. Like that's such like queer culture to be ahead of the trend before the trend was even mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought that, ex I wasn't gonna say it, but I thought the exact same thing. Well, guess what Mimi, we did. Queers are always spearheading things and everybody else is following behind. And when they catch up with it, well, hold on, let me correct myself. Queer POCs are always usually mm -hmm. the ones spearheading things. And then they're taken from the, the larger parts of general audiences and then it's deemed cool. Whatever, I'm not gonna talk about it cause I'm not bitter about it you are <laughs> what better about it <laughs> i just think it's funny how <laughs> we're moving on we meet our two detectives detectives pike and gracie and they question the family about obscene and vulgar phone calls that their neighbor dotty hinkle and then they also show a note that's like written out of clippings of magazines and newspapers mm -hmm. it's very reminiscent of like a, i mean obviously a serial killer but obscene and vulgar phone calls to their sweet and innocent neighbor, Dottie Hinkle. How I would <laughs> never think of such a thing. And then, yeah, he shows her the letter that was sent to her. <laughs> and it's made out of clippings from a magazine. And it just says, I'll get you pussy face. 
<laughs> it's so good. It's not, I don't know if it's meant to be, but it totally reminds me of like the original Black Christmas with like the creepy voice calls coming through the phone. And I love this. I think it's ridiculous. And I laughed so fucking loud because I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't <laughs> ready for it. It's such a crude thing to say. Like, who says that? Well, my favorite line is when Eugene, when uh, Beverly's talking about it, she's like, I have never even said the word out loud, nor even thought about it. And Eugene's like, no woman should. <laughs> <laughs> I have never said the P word out loud, let alone written it down, officer. <laughs> it's so good. This movie was hard to keep up because literally John Waters wrote like a joke per minute. It's mm -hmm. quick. It's so fast. It's very quick-witted and very dark. It's very dark because then she also like subverts them and like changes the direction. Cause she's like, life doesn't have to be ugly officers. And she looks out to the birds. And, I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, she goes off on this very weird tangent where she's obviously trying to put up a front for the police officers to throw them off. So she starts playing up this sticky innocent uh, housewife and looking out the window at the birds and and the detectives are just looking at each other like what the fuck is going on here what the fuck is wrong with it's so weird and it the snort that came out of me was not human so <laughs> it was fucking great uh, so the police leave and the family disperses for the day misty goes off with her quote-unquote friend Carl mm -hmm. chips off to the video store with his girlfriend Birdie and his friend Scotty, who's always looking at porn. That's like his only character trait. Oh, yes, yeah, he's meant to be like the quote unquote pervert friend or whatever, but I just, a, a prevert, if you will. Um, <laughs> but I just love so one running theme in this movie is like um, this very subversive, like 50s vintage culture of like the housewife nostalgia, nostalgia. like birdie wears this little cap that's really cute and nostalgic um the it's friend scotty reminiscent of ben uh, to the creme heads oh all i could think of was ben to the creme's confessionals which was wearing you're it. so fucking gay of course and you're like oh yeah from drag race that's so upset. bitch it's jughead wears it in the old school archie comics I don't know nothing about no jughead. Anyways, <laughs> um, Birdie wears that little vintage cap. It's really cute. Scott, his friend Scotty's always looking at <laughs> his friend Scotty's always looking at uh, vintage porn. Like he's got like uh, what what was your name? Betty Page pinups and shit like mm. that. So I just like uh, love all these little sprinklings of like nostalgia throughout the whole movie that is about serial killer, but it's also like vintage and like like perfect 50s suburbia almost this is i find this one so interesting because for me this is john waters like how can i say this it's his most stylistic satirical look at pop culture and it shows with literally everything and matthew lillard character who is who was uh jamie kennedy before jamie kennedy was on screen oh my god <laughs> thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because when I was watching it again, like prepping myself, I was like, this is very much like, like this was a segue for him right into Scream. And it was funny because he wasn't even considered for Scream. He just happened to be there. What's your favorite scary movie? It's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird <laughs> that Matthew Lillard's character then moved over. It's so odd. After this, once everybody's out of the house. <laughs> Beverly is ready to start her day. Honestly. 
and starts with an obscene phone call to her best friend, Dottie Hinkle. Start your engines, girls. So she calls up her best friend, Dottie. It's a split screen, which is a great edit. And Dottie's already afraid to answer the phone. because She's just been tortured by this obscene phone caller for the last like two weeks. So this obscene phone call, we've received the transcripts and this is as following. Hello? Hello, is this the cocksucker residence? God damn you, stop calling here. Is this 4215 Pussyway? You bitch. Hold on, now let me check the zip code. Is it 212 fuck you? The police are chasing this call this very minute. Well, Dottie Hinkle, then why is it here, huh, fuckface? Fuck you. And then she hangs up, and it's so <laughs> good. I wasn't ready for I knew this scene was happening. I knew it was coming. I wasn't I didn't know it's like the opener. Yes, but... it's like within the first like 10 minutes of the movie, <laughs> if even that. And oh, it's so good. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And it it's keeps, the uh, it's the first time you get a peek behind the Beverly's. Curtain. Yeah, a peek behind the curtain and you get to see <laughs> what really gets Beverly's you know what how she gets Motor a going. Yeah. <laughs> It's insane because the whole, just like the first five minutes, you're like, this is surprisingly tame for a John Waters movie. Yeah. And then he comes out the fucking gate with this because they, she calls her back immediately and it keeps going. She pretends to be the, uh, like a telephone company and pretending to be her. And it's just so fucking good. She calls her sucker face. Uh, listen to your filthy mouth. You listen to your mouth. You uh-huh. Uh, she because... sounds like Reagan from The Exorcist. It's so good. It's so good. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie because it, she's just, it gets so vulgar. <laughs> the language. It's so vulgar. It's so I. If it's literally just like beep 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 beep. <laughs> yeah, if it were to be censored, yeah, it would be all bleeps. It's so good. It's so fucking good. But while she's calling her on the phone, our nosy neighbor Rosemary Ackerman. Ugh. It's dropping by to drop off sewing materials. Sewing materials. Yeah, she borrowed like a sewing basket or some shit, I guess. Yeah, sure. That's something neighbors do. Uh, fuck this neighbor, though. She was giving me hardcore desperate housewives vibes. This whole street <laughs> gives me Mysteria Lane. And it's, yeah. just welcome yourself into my fucking home, Rosemary. Yeah, she totally just like... She didn't even knock. I think she just like walked right in. She did. No wonder she tries to fucking murder this bitch. I would have too. <laughs> Listen, you were in my house. I thought you were an intruder. Yes, yeah, so she makes her way in and then she makes her way upstairs and she <laughs> she can hear Beverly like screaming from her bedroom. And then right as she like goes to open her door and walk in, Beverly had just hung up the phone with Dottie. And then she goes, Beverly. And she goes, Rosemary. She's like, I heard screaming. And she goes, that damn cable company. You know, <laughs> you know how they can be. And Rosemary just goes, mm, oh, I know. Oh my God, you're so right. This movie <laughs> is so good. This movie is so good. From here we go to our PTA meeting. She drives past Dottie Hinkle's house, waves at her innocently. We got a fucking flashback. And the flashback, we see why she's targeting Beverly. And <laughs> She's only caught. She's. This is such a fucking LA thing, in my opinion. Beverly is targeting Dottie because she cut her off and swiped into a parking spot. 
Girl, don't cross Bev. Don't cross Bev, period. T, you Tina. Sh- you shouldn't do that, period. That is a very fucked up thing to do that she did. She it totally, very, very she was waiting with her signal on for that parking spot. Di just swooped in with her little 92 Camry. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> bitch. Yes. And so, and so Beverly is like, I'm going to get this, bitch. And so she fucking tortures her for like an entire month with obscene phone calls. So great. We get our, we finally get ourselves to the PTA meeting and we meet our math teacher, Mr. Stubbins, who is a fucking asshole. And yes, also yes, a yes. racist. A racist and a total prick because he demonizes horror movies and calls her a bad parent for what Chip is interested in. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And it's so very telling because that's exactly what happened. And it used to happen. It probably still does happen with, you know, people I mean, who look are at super us. into We're horror. We're sickos just sitting <laughs> here. We are. I was no... I, I, <laughs> somebody called me a freak of nature. So, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. So, it, this is totally, like, telling of the times and what people really think of people who are Honestly. super into horror movies. It's ridiculous because even Bev points out, she's like, no, we're all a loving family. And they are. They, like, all support each other. They're actually a really nice family. That's uh-huh. just psycho. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the family's fault. It's not. But it's just so interesting because he, like, hounds her. He's like, what is it? Is it divorce? Alcoholic relatives? Did he torture <laughs> animals as a child? Well, you're yeah. clearly doing something wrong. And, I, bitch, I would have killed him, too. I would have fucking bopped his ass. I don't blame Bev for this murder at all. I don't consider it the first death. Bitch, she kills him after she bakes him cookies first. No, it's not. No, it's not. I see why he was mad, though, because she gave him a fucking fruitcake, and I wrote oh, it down. Oh, yeah. I was disgusted. <laughs> a fruitcake. Well, she knew she What'd you knew call that me? he was... <laughs> she knew he was going to be an asshole. She's like, you know what? I'm going to bake this motherfucker a fruitcake. He calls her a fucking horrible parent, and she's like, you know what, bitch? Strike all of them. So she targets his ass, and she... She hunts him in the parking lot while he's chewing gum. One of her pet peeves. Because when the police were there earlier, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't chew gum in this house. Mm -hmm. What is the what is the line? Uh, I'm sorry, officer. We don't allow gum chewing in this house. And before that, she had reprimanded Misty for chewing gum at the dinner breakfast table, whatever. It's the same table. I get it. I can't stand chewing. Not only that, it was seven o'clock in the morning. She shouldn't have been chewing gum. But she back to our fucking math teacher. She hunts him down and she immediately just fucking runs his ass over, backs that bitch up, goes again. I'm surprised she just didn't keep going back and forth, but she doesn't give two fucks. And she has a smile on her face when she does it. I love it. She mows him down in the teacher's parking lot. And there is an eyewitness this time. A stoner. (gasps) Our friend Joni was seen at the school smoking (laughs) weed outside. Johnny, is that you, girl? I love... This is another one of my favorite scenes. This is something that we and Renee used to quote all the time was when they are interviewing this quote-unquote eyewitness. And she's sitting there talking to the news people and like, ma'am, what did you see? And she's just like, I just saw this blue station wagon go boom, ram him over, ran him over, and she just stuck it to him and hit it in drive and ran off. And I love... (laughs) love Beverly's response where she just goes, ugh, look at her hair. Oh, wow. I am disgusted. (laughs) Because she's on the news that night when the family's having dinner and they're having the perfect meatloaf. But while they're having that fucking perfect meatloaf, by the way, segue, Missy's talking about Carl, who's a fucking 
dick. Mm-hmm. Carl's an asshole. He told Misty that he'll take her on a trip if she loses 10 pounds. And I actually really love Beverly and the family's response. Yeah. It's genuinely sweet. And they're very supportive. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's great that you want to lose weight, but you should do it for you and not for your sleazy boyfriend. And either way, you're perfect the way you are. And I'm just like, uh, uh, way to like slip that in really quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she still tries to defend Carl and fuck off, Misty. You're just boy crazy. She wants that dick. Huh? What you want some dick? But that night we, uh, they're talking about the asshole Carl. And we get what probably one of my favorite lines is when Chip says that Carl's the shit. Because then Bev responds. <laughs> Chip, you know how I feel about the brown word. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even get it out. You know how I feel about the brown word. That is delicious writing. Jesus Christ. (laughs) This movie is so campy and ridiculous. It's so good. Uh, But we find out about the news reporting because Rosemary... races through the neighborhood to tell everybody to turn <laughs> on the news and we see the stoner girl and we find out that the math teacher is killed after chip had just complained about him being an ass later that night bev's reading a book about birds with secretly has murderers inside of them like charles <laughs> manson and she's strokingly stroking them suggestively why not <laughs> yeah. get your rocks but she decides, you know what? We're going to fuck tonight because she's feeling good. She just committed murder. Her and Eugene have sex and it's... <laughs> it's so awkward. It's so awkward. It's so awkward because Eugene's like, we got to be quiet. We got to be quiet. And all he does is like touch her arm and instantly she's like, oh. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's way more than that. Uh, she goes, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, ha. Because oh, you are hot tonight. It's just—it's so perverted, and it's like you know you shouldn't be watching. And she's totally like getting her jollies off because she just mowed down the teacher in the parking lot earlier (laughs) that day. So it's just sick. It's so funny because Chip and Misty can hear it, and they're both just like, "Fuck, man!" Disgusted. And we get a shot of them. They're underneath their blankets and they still technically have like their shirts on. Mm-hmm. But their humping is like galloping horses <laughs> up and down on this bed. It's, it's very aggressive. Very aggressive. But after they've done having their coitus and getting their rocks off. Post coitus. <laughs> the next morning, Bev is getting ready to go bird watching with Eugene. And she notices Rosemary talking to the police. Her, she's sticking her nose in, being the nosy neighbor, as I love. I love nosy neighbor characters. Because that's you. Fuck (laughs) off! I don't care if I love a little cheese man. Eugene has to leave because he has to go do a quick emergency dental surgery? Yeah. On some really fucking shitty neighbors. We get a fucking call from the Sterners and he has to leave, which just gives Bev excellent time to have to go fucking cover up her track. Well, yeah, because they were supposed to go bird watching. And now that he has mm-hmm. to go into work, she's all upset. And he's like, well, the birds will still be there next weekend, honey. I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, it's okay. I'll get breakfast started. And she storms out of the bedroom and she stalks down the hallway. With and a she beer swat, bitch. Uh huh. And beer swat. That is a runway walk, bitch. She runway walks down to uh, Chip's bedroom. To go wake him up from work and she runs in and she goes chip and he, <laughs> he jumps out of his bed all scared he's like what she's like oh nothing honey i just want you to get up for work he's like god you scared me and i i wrote it in my notes and i was like microaggressions in all caps because that's essentially what this is we get these little snippets of these microaggressions that she just can't contain Double up and burst it's, <laughs> it's so fucking funny the her physical comedy is honestly fucking spectacular 
I Kathleen Turner is wonderful in this movie because as she's trying to get out the door, we also find out that Carl fucking stood up Missy and mm-hmm. she sees wishes he were dead that someone would just fucking kill him. Everybody in this movie wants people to die. Like everybody at some point, <laughs> says, I fucking want that bitch to die. Yeah. But while that's happening, the police are also searching her trash and her belongings. They also come to the house and accuse her uh, because they went through her stuff and found magazines with clippings of letters out of them. Oh yeah, like the P, as in people who don't mind their own business. Also, Misty like lusts after this like dorky white detective. Everybody and does. Everybody. I, think, I was just about him. to say, she's not the only one who lusts after him. And I was like, what? Are, oh, are y'all thirsty in Baltimore? Like, is this all you got? Because it wasn't that great. I wonder if John Waters was like, oh, he's cute. You know what? We're just going <laughs> to <laughs> He's living out his fantasy. The police try and suspect her, but of course they shoo it away because she's excellent. She's very good at manipulating people. She's very mm-hmm. good with her words, people. But Rosemary's being a shitty trash person and is just being ridiculously like wasteful when the trash people come along and she's just like throwing feathers maybe in the trash can at one point. It looked like styrofoam or something. I don't know. Definitely something that couldn't be recycled. Beverly is in her, um, excuse me, she's in her kitchen recycling as every good person should be. And she's listening to Daybreak by Mary Barry Manilow, which is like she a running is. it's a running theme throughout this movie. <laughs> because what wholesome white American wouldn't listen to the Barry Manilow? Manilow. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in her kitchen getting down to Barry Manilow when she glances out her window and sees her horrible neighbor Rosemary Ackerman not recycling. And she's mm-hmm. just disgusted. And so what is she gonna do? She's gonna go out there and teach her a lesson. But as she goes to go get her weapon, she looks outside and she sees that her good old friends, the recycling trash men, are here. Which and so is instead, so funny to me. <laughs> instead, she grabs two little bottles of liquor from her liquor cabinet and runs out with her recyclables for the men. So she runs out there and she has a good talk. She's got an excellent relationship with the trash men for some reason. Which is so weird because even after she, she gives them shooters, right? Yeah, she gives them little bottles of like whiskey or something. And they down it, and immediately they're like, yeah, I fucking hate Rosemary. She needs to fucking die because she litter. She does not fucking recycle. They call her a goddamn litter bugger. And say that somebody should give her a happy face. It's so funny because then immediately Beverly's like, you know what? I'm going to take the responsibility, and maybe somebody should. No, she says, for the sake of this planet, somebody should. It's everything I needed. I love that she's so ready to to fucking murder someone over this shit. I'm all about it because I'm a true hippie at heart. I recycle everything. Then we go to our next scene with, what's her name, Dottie? Dottie Hinkle. Dottie Hinkle and Miss Rosemary watching Joan Rivers about a segment (laughs) of women who marry and date serial killers. Serial killers and the women who love them. It's so good. I love it. I... Do you know if that was made for the movie or was that from her show? Because I can totally believe it's from a Joan Rivers actual I want to say that it's really from Joan Rivers' actual show because I doubt that they had any more money to be like, hey, Joan, you wanted to film this little segment for us? I'm almost certain that they just got a segment. Because we get so many pop culture references. We also get 
Wheel of Fortune, uh, Matthew Lillard's character is a walking encyclopedia of horror movies and just mm-hmm. like, all of the things that they watch. So I think it's so neat that he put this in here because I totally believe a bunch of housewives were watching Joan Rivers and drinking during the day. Oh, absolutely. They were day drinking and watching trashy talk shows. Absolutely. That's it. what it's they were what doing. We do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we're totally Matthew Matthew Lillard. I love that he's like obsessed with Herschel Gordon Lewis and all these like obscure horror movie makers because that was John Waters' cup of tea at the moment. But we get Beverly going inside to cause a fucking ruckus. She said, I chose violence today because she rolls in like a fucking bull into that little cute little cup of tea that they're all having. <laughs> yeah she shows up at the window and startles them and they invite her in for a drink um and so rosemary she she doesn't drink oh no 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 drink for me and so rosemary goes gets her coffee or something and leaves her and dotty in the living room and so she goes and sits down next to dotty and she goes dotty how are you and she's like, i'm coping and so you know <laughs> they're talking and then rose or sorry uh beverly notices some dried flowers on uh rosemary's table and she goes rosemary are those pussy willows and immediately <laughs> like dotty was it, she just recognized that pussy come out of beverly's mouth and she goes what did you just say and she turns to <laughs> Beverly turns to Dottie with this sinister look on her face and goes, Pussy Willows, Dottie, and grabs Rosemary's Fabergé egg off the table and smashes it on the ground. (laughs) She goes, oh my God, essentially frames Dottie and sets her up to take the fall for breaking this egg and gets uh, Rosemary out of the house. What out of left field? Because Rosemary immediately freaks out. She's like, oh my God, that's my fabric mint Fabergé egg. First of I didn't know any of those words that came out of her mouth. What? Franklin Mint. Apparently he's like a, a maker of Fabergé eggs. And apparently that's a, I don't know. I don't know nothing about no little collectibles. They're very expensive, like chit, kitschy, tchotchke shit. Yeah, a little knickknacks and shit. But she shatters it and like she causes this to happen in like a minute. Like this scene goes from zero to 100 so fast. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was not ready for her to just like come at her, frame her for breaking the egg, <laughs> cause Rosemary to freak out, be like, don't worry, Rosemary, let's go. We're getting out of here. Let's go to the flea market. You can lock up, right? Bye. <laughs> yeah, she goes, you can lock up, daddy, right? You got a key. Okay, bye. <laughs> doesn't give Dottie a chance to say anything. And as they slam the door, she goes, I heard her voice. It's her. It's so fucking ridiculous. And it's wild. It's wild. I love <gasps> it. <gasps> this movie keeps going because after this, we go meet up with Eugene, who's doing his like dental thing. And that couple's being annoying. And they're, fu- I hate them. I hate this couple. They're so, yeah. because we see them at the PTA meeting. They're shady as shit. They're mm-hmm. one, they're the neighbors who are like, hi, look at her coming out here looking like that. <laughs> yeah. Hi, baby girl. Very insufferable characters. And John Waters sets them up to be so that way you don't feel bad for them when they finally get their comeuppets. <laughs> this is very true. But while he's uh, doing his work, he gets approached by the police officers who try and approach him about the ridiculous amount of like true crime books and novels yeah this reading material questionable reading materials in their garbage and he's like oh well surely those are my son chips and he's like no 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 we found the credit card references they're about your wife at the store downtown shit and he's just like 
He's, he's like, shit. <laughs> he starts questioning Bev. But we meet back up with Bev. We're at the flea market where Ricky Lake is selling some stuff. I love this thing. I would be doing that. I love flea markets. This is a wonderful setup. But we also see Carl being a fucking dick, bringing his date, a new date, a Faluzi. That's suspicious. That's weird. Played none other than by Tracy, Tracy Lords. The stunningly gorgeous Tracy Lords, who gave us a stellar performance in Crybaby. But of course, Bev's like, oop, I see my plan. I know what I got to do. But while that's happening, Rosemary is a deceitful person and switches price tags at some person's table because he wouldn't lower the pricing on a scuffed or messed up Fabergé egg. Chipped. Chipped. Thank it you. Was, it was chipped and it was damaged goods and he wouldn't lower the price. So... She is a terrible person and she switched price tags and bought herself a fire poker. An iron fire poker. But oh, excuse because me. she bought the iron poker, Bev has a fucking excellent f- new weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She leveled up. Beep, 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 beep. So then she, <laughs> then she starts stalking Carl who bought the Fabergé egg for his date. Mm-hmm. Tracy Lords, you can tell she had a porn past um, because her reaction to the Fabergé egg is literally like moaning when she finds the egg. <laughs> like, oh, this Fabergé egg, I just have to have it. Yeah, she really hammed it up. <laughs> I fucking love it. But she follows Carl into the bathroom and she hides into one of the stalls where she gets found out by some purevert waiting there at a glory hole. Yeah, some local prevert catches her because he's writing uh, Eat Me on the stall. <laughs> and then he looks through the little glory hole and he sees Beverly on the other side waiting with the po- uh, fire poker. So he like runs out of there. I don't know why. I think I would have stuck around and said, what the fuck is this lady doing in here? I um, know, but that's way to go. Way to embed queer culture in there. And y'all know what that fucking thing <laughs> is. Y'all know what it is. And so Beverly sees a chance and she stabs Carl while he's at the urinal and extracts his liver or something because, ooh, she pulls it out and it's stuck to the end of the fire poker. And she tries to like, even she's grossed out by it. <laughs> and she tries to like jiggle it off and she's got to eventually it. touch it. It's, it's gross because she stabs him straight to the back, rips out the liver. And when he falls, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. You didn't flush your urinal. So, of course, she's got to flush it with his head in there. Like, what the fuck? Before she slips in his blood. Ugh. And uh-huh. she gets gore on the bottom of her shoe. <laughs> she goes back to the table, and of course, there's commotion. Of course, someone finds the body. And the flea market freaks out. Ricky Lake goes to... I keep calling her Ricky Lake. Misty goes to check out what the commotion <laughs> is and finds out that it's Carl. And when she comes back, she can't believe that Chip's dead and i love kathleen turner carl's dead carl's dead (laughs) carl's dead i love her response well it's what you wished for dear i didn't i didn't want him dead though i didn't wish for that it's so good of course rosemary's watching after she saw her what she calls shit (laughs) yeah rosemary's watching And then she goes and reaches for a fire poker and comes to realize that there's blood all over her fire poker. (laughs) While they're all at the market, Eugene discovers uh, Beverly's altar of serial killers and scrapbooks and tapes. Mm -hmm. She's got a serial, um, excuse me, a scrapbook full of like newspaper clippings and like letters from serial killers and signed photos. And 
And then he finds a tape sent by Ted Bundy <laughs> talking to literally directly to Beverly saying that he's he's lonely there on death row. And of course it's John Waters. Of course he's playing Ted Bundy. It's so yeah. fucking funny because Eugene just is like freaking out and can't believe what's going on and what's transpiring from Bev. But like the fact that she's like hit it under her bed without really trying is just like the greatest <laughs> thing on the planet. It's amazing. It just adds like this crazy backstory that they had no idea was going on. It's beautiful. It's so funny because Kathleen Turner as Bev never once fully lets off the like the mom vibe. Never Facade, once. Yeah. yeah, even when she's killing. So it's fucking hilarious to keep watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that night we have our dinner and Chip, he lets out that Scotty thinks that she's the killer. Mm-hmm. <gasps> How dare they? They would never believe that because of course Misty thinks that she's a killer and Eugene thinks that she's a killer. But Beverly just decides to immediately, literally immediately excuse herself from the fucking table and then drive <laughs> off. What? It's hilarious because they're like, sitting quietly awkwardly at the dinner table and chip just goes you know mom scotty thinks you're the killer and she just laughs it off and she goes, <laughs> as if i would take advice from somebody who doesn't wear their seatbelt. takes another bite of her dinner she goes oh excuse me scoots away immediately <laughs> bolts it. to the garage and Bugs bolts it. out of the and the family just sits there and just like you could just hear it's excellent sound design you can hear it jump in the car it start the garage door open and her speed away <laughs> and they're all just like you don't think she'd kill Scotty, do you? And they're like, the dad's just like, get in the car. <laughs> Honey, you've got a big storm coming. And they chase, they immediately take Chase to go find Scotty and make sure that she doesn't murder him. But when Beverly leaves, a cop who's of course standing guard outside chases after Bev and Bev doesn't even react. She just starts playing more. <laughs> yeah. She pops in her good old cassette of Daybreak by Barry Manilow and jams. She's gonna listen to her tunes. <laughs> And floors it, <laughs> floors it, cutting across lawns, cutting corners, dipping through alleyways, and ends up ends up losing the police. And she, um, the family thinks that she's on her way to go kill Scotty, when in reality, she heads over to the Sterners to get revenge on them for ruining her Saturday plans with her husband. I'm about to beat this bitch up. I love this woman. She's got a to-do list and nothing is going to stop her. Is she a Capricorn? <laughs> she <laughs> took a break during dinner to go run an errand. She's like, all right, composed myself and to finish off my list. It's fucking great because it is a really, I think it's a fun subversion because I really didn't know what was happening. Because when they get to Scotty's, what's building up is that Scotty's getting ready to fucking pull the badge <laughs> and just, <laughs> and just fucking get ready to mm-hmm. burst, honey. He's yeah, ready to he's... burst. He's getting ready to, you know, what does he say? Say hi to my monster. <laughs> ew! 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 Uh, ew. So no. they no, burst ma'am. into Scotty's room thinking that Beverly is there to kill him, and he's obviously not. And so we cut to where Beverly actually is. She's standing outside the Sterner's house watching them. Oh, this scene is so disgusting, uh, for especially for uh, people like us who can't stand loud eaters or sloppy eaters or M- ASMR for that matter because it's just a whole lot of sound design <laughs> of people eating like this whole roasted chicken or it's like little Cornish game heads and it's really close-up shots of them tearing off skin and sucking so, and squishing uh, Beverly's just watching in disgust and like it kind of 
blur uh transition into her thinking of the birds that she loves to watch and she's just imagining them chomping down on them birds and she's just disgusted and all the meanwhile they're also they're also talking shit about her husband saying that he knows how to send a bill and da 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 and that he's that uh that the husband's not supposed to ralph ralph's not supposed to be eating desserts and he's like well who like essentially who gives a fuck like i paid the man so obviously she's gonna go in for the kill but ralph continues to eat fucking cake while betty's upstairs getting ready for some frisky night before the kids get home it is thursday night that is the night i bought scented candles just a sade mixtape from starbucks So she's upstairs, ready to get frisky, putting on her nightgown from Lane Bryant. Ooh, nerf. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. I hate you. And in waiting for her in the closet is Beverly Sutton with a pair of scissors, and she stabs her right in the gut and lets her have it. All the meanwhile, a rat came out of nowhere. She thought they had rats earlier. The rat was weird. I don't know why they threw a rat in there, but there was a rat and it started attacking her feet. (laughs) Just so random. It's so odd because then it's never mentioned again. But her sitting in the closet is drag race queen's wish they could have. (laughs) Because, bitch, I was gagged. It's Mm -hmm. the poster. Her holding the scissors beautifully. I love the imagery. I I had a pause. I was like, bitch, you work. You fucking work. With her little mom haircut and her little cardigan. Ah, so good. <laughs> she stabs her with the scissors that she Betty borrowed mm-hmm. from Rosemary, and then Ralph finds out, and she tosses it like fucking ninja stars, and she's a good throw. <laughs> she almost gets him, and so he gets stuck in the wall. She almost gets him twice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she does throw it twice, and so he somehow like managed to stumble his way out. And so when he goes out, he's screaming for help and only makes it so far as like the edge of their doorstep. When <laughs> Beverly knocks loose their air conditioning unit that's in the window. And it's like some fucking Looney Tunes <laughs> e- like episode. I'm waiting for the... <laughs> <laughs> waiting for the anvil to drop on his head. Instead, it's an AC yes! unit. It's pretty, it's a very creative kill. I'll give them that. It's so funny. And of course, Ralph's dead, but everyone's too busy worried about Scotty because the police also chase the family because they think that they're going to the crime scene. Mm -hmm. So when they're on their way, of course, Scotty's watching a chesty Morgan. I had to write it down (laughs) because it's fucking hilarious. And he's going at it. He's underneath his bed and it's just constant pitching his tent. It's It's fucking very aggressive. It's very, I'm like, you did, please tell me you put like lotion or something. Like it's not good for your skin. No, there's going to be chafing, dude. But the family breaks in, they get their way in, the police break in, and everyone's freaking out, thinking that he's going to be murdered, and poor guy gets caught fucking pulling his weenie. With egg on his face. damn it. With it. (laughs) (laughs) But for some reason, this convinces the family. They're like, oh, see? Thank God. She couldn't have done it. And so they make their way back home. And Beverly's there waiting with dessert. She went to the market to go get strawberries. And <laughs> it's totally random, but... What kind of strawberries is a dessert? I don't, I don't mind strawberries. It's very healthy. She's But by itself? Yeah, why not? They were really good looking strawberries. Put some like angel food cake or like whipped cream or sugar Ooh, make or it deep cool. fried. And Ooh, covered Jesus, in how very American of you. <laughs> 
fuck off. So she, yeah, anyway. she uses the excuse that she went to the market to get dessert for everybody. But that Sunday, everybody gets dolled up and ready. And as the family leaves to go to church, there's the giant line of police cars ready for them, ready to target her ass. I fucking... <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I understand why like, it did it for the camp value, but I was like, this is totally something that would really happen in America. One killer is on the loose, and we're going to have 25 cop cars following them. I know, fucking honestly, it's fucking hilarious. But John Waters said, I have the budget. I'm going to pay for it. Give me as many fucking cars as you can. <laughs> yeah. Because as they're following her, we're essentially finding out that they're just waiting for the results from the forensic tests on the blood at the crime scene to match like her DNA from the true crime novels that they had. It's all they're waiting for. So of course they get to church. And the whole, essentially the whole fucking town is at church. Yeah. Everyone's there. The trash guys are there. Dottie's there. Rosemary's there. Everybody's judging and knows that she's the killer and that she's fucking ready to snap at any point. Yeah. Everybody's as they pull up, everybody's just staring at them. They're slowly making their way inside the church and everybody's staring they don't even allow like um, Chip and his friend to like sit together. There's obviously they know that they're like they're being watched. So they make their way into mm -hmm. the church and they sit down <laughs> and then, you know, the, 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 the title or the topic of the sermon is capital punishment. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes on with the sermon and then as they get up to sing or whatever the fuck they do in church. Um, <laughs> Beverly has like I don't know what they do there. Beverly has like a sudden allergy attack and like sneezes the biggest loogie on the babies in front of her. It's so and the gross. The whole congregation freaks out because the police were trying to sneak in because they got confirmation of the forensic test and everyone's just ready to fucking catch this girl. It's Dog the Bounty Hunter and they're ready to fucking snatch <laughs> her ass. And she sneezes and it's fucking funny because that loogie is disgusting. It's Ooh. like there's something about Mary, the shit that was stuck Ew. on Cameron Diaz's ear. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it is fucking hilarious. It's so good because everybody freaks out and she makes a dash out of there. And the whole time she's laughing. I love that anytime her character is like supposed to be in quote unquote peril, she's having a ball. Like mm -hmm. this is the best thing that could have happened to her. She's having a good time. And yes, she is. Uh, Chip and Birdie manage to get her out and they steal Scotty's car in the process because for some reason he leaves his car, he leaves his keys on top of his back tire. I don't know like, who does what? that. What? Yeah. And it's so interesting because Birdie and Chip both have like the same reactions like, oh my God, this is so cool. At one point, they even call each other when the math teacher dies and she's like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's like a real life horror movie. Like they're ecstatic <laughs> that this is happening. And calls, Birdie calls um, Beverly, you're like the Freddy or Jason, except that you're real. Yeah. Like, I, I brought so that in my notes. I'm like, I love that Skip wants to capitalize and idolizes his mom of being a suspected serial killer. It's so funny. Like, of course, like all this horror is going to translate over. And I find that funny because I love horror. We, I wouldn't have a podcast if I didn't. But I cannot do true crime because it scares me too much. I'm like, it's yeah. too real. I can't do it. Same. I mean, I watched a little bit of true crime. Like I watched uh, Night Stalker. Um, there's also a couple of other true crime things that are on the list that we haven't gotten to. They're, but they're very few and wide apart. I know that there is an entire audience for true crime. I know there are people who love true crime. 
but I'm the same way where it's a little like obviously it's real so it's too real for us to know that people really died I like the whole fantasy of horror I don't want it to be real this is just too fucking much exactly but it's up to this point Chip has been like the mecca of like horror his room's decked out in horror he talks about the that blood fest being the citizen cane of gore movies mm-hmm. and that's how he relates to his mom so I find it funny that this is where his trajectory goes because immediately when they're trying to hide her in the car Beverly at one point she's like should I get a lawyer no you need an agent so <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's so funny like this movie is sprinkled with like wonderful one liners it's so fucking good I love it. And so they from they leave the church and they're trying to find some place to stash their mom. And so they're like, well, well we got to go to work. So they'll hide her there. So they head to the video store where Birdie and Chip work. Which is so sick. It looks so much like our store at the TCQ video store. It's almost like, like it's it's so weird. I'm just like, oh my God, did they film here? <laughs> they filmed in our storefront. And so... <laughs> They, uh, they hide her in the back and somebody's already pounding at the door because they're, they're it's five minutes past nine. Hello, the store should have been open. And it's none other than the one of the town patrons and she's fucking annoying and she's here to return ghost dad. She's very fucking annoying. Mrs. Jensen, who doesn't rewind her fucking videos because when she returns it immediately, Chip is like, um, I'm going to charge you this time. So the charge of your rental and your rewind fees is going to be $4.99. <laughs> and she's pissed off about it. And she calls him a son of a psycho. <laughs> I love it. She get, From the moment she walks in the store, she's instantly mad because they're playing Texas Chainsaw Mask around the TVs. And she goes, haven't you had enough? horror haven't you have enough bloodshed for one day or something along those lines so he turns it off for her and she returns ghost dad he charges her for not rewinding it she calls him a son of a psycho she rents annie of course you have annie of course of course and i love that they like him and birdie look at each other and laugh because really annie okay sure girl so she storms out and my favorite line is uh birdie goes oh what a bitch and Chip just goes, um, it's the influence of all those family films. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. This, It's just so fucking good. I love this setup of him working at the store. I think it's so funny that this is where he's at and this is how we get our next victim. Just because she's a horrible patron that doesn't fucking rewind. Immediately, Beverly's like, oh, I got you, bitch. Mm-hmm. I got you. And she's got her son's back. Mm-hmm. I love that. She's a supportive mom. So Beverly decides to chase after Mrs. Jensen. And because she's missing, immediately Chip knows exactly where she's going. And we get a wonderful 90s, just like time period of them having to find her address in a Rolodex. <laughs> I don't even know if, I don't even know what a no, Rolodex, Rolodex is. is. <laughs> yeah, it's so, I mean, obviously it's very dated. So they find mm-hmm. her address in the like, customer rolodex and uh they head out to go find her where scotty also makes way because he's trying to get his car so he chases after them to try and figure out where they're going so from here i think we get my favorite death in the whole movie (laughs) this whole scene was perfection from beginning to end because we get to go to mrs jensen's house (laughs) and she's eating lamb yeah lamb and first of that lamb looks delicious yeah. i definitely partake it was a roasted leg of lamb and it looked fucking mm-hmm. delicious 
that Sandy looks delicious and she pops in Andy and bitch, she's ready to go. I relate. This is me anytime we watch the movies for <laughs> the week's podcast. I'm like, let me get my snack. I'm high. Let me pop in my movies and I'm just ready to go. But we got the sickest in insert of lines is when she's with her dog and mm, her dog's mm, like mm. starting to get nervous because of course Beverly's breaking in. But this bitch can't hear it because the volume's like 80 already. And she's getting down to fucking tomorrow. I can't believe that they paid $60,000 to use the rights for this song in this scene. Isn't that ridiculous? That's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. But while she's singing Annie and she's like, stop barking, she's like, help mommy and lick mommy's feet. And she makes the dog- Get them all wet. <laughs> <laughs> This movie is disgusting. Like, I can't believe that the chicken eating scene and this scene are what makes me curl and like wanna look away. It's, she deserved to die because of that. Right, thank you. That poor dog, that is animal that abuse. Poor dog. I'm that surprised poor dog. the ASPCA didn't write about that. <laughs> Not this nasty's at, this <laughs> nasty lady's crusty ass toes. While Beverly's getting ready to murder, Chip and Birdie are trying to get a sneak peek and make sure that she's not murdering. And Scotty makes his way to the house and tries to get a vantage viewpoint from across the way and looks in through the window. Mm -hmm. And uh, Beverly makes an excellent decision in how she wants to murder. I love Beverly because she thinks about everything, about the aesthetic of how she wants to kill and who she's going to kill. Mm -hmm. So at first, she picks up this huge Michael Myers butcher knife and she starts walking over. She's like, no, 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 this isn't right. This isn't no, right. This isn't she, right. No, 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 no. So she walks back and she picks up a piece. First off, she picks up a piece of meat for the dog and gives it to the dog, pets him down. Because even though she's a serial killer, she's still a good person at her heart. And so... <laughs> She picks up the, she decides that the leg of lamb is a much better weapon than a butcher knife. She picks up like a fucking Disneyland giant ass piece <laughs> of lamb leg and just comes up behind her and whacks that bitch in the head. And we just see blood splash across the TV and tomorrow's playing. Annie's getting her life hit in the high notes while Beverly's just smacking the shit. And it takes her a good couple of swings before she kills her. And the sound design and the Foley artist is to be noted because she goes to town with that leg of lamb and you just hear a and a and another. And even the Mrs. Jensen is going, oh, she's so good. It's it's probably the most well choreographed death in the whole movie. Because the set piece on it is so good. It's so good. I it's like you said, it's it's your favorite death. It's one of the best deaths in the scene. It's so dark and campy. It's so camp. It's so camp. It's so camp. But of course, Scotty witnesses and Beverly notices, and Scotty's quick to get his fucking ass out of there. Bev grabs her knife, and we get the most ridiculous fucking thing of her literally running after him in the neighborhood with the butcher knife in her hand. Put your knife in her hand in her Sunday's best black and white polka dot dress with her pearls running down the street full speed. I saw the She's behind the tilt. scenes. Full tilt. I saw the behind the scenes for this scene. She was full on speed running down the street with the butcher knife in her hand. In heels. That in is heels. acting. Bruce Willis could never. <laughs> so 
they've taken off. At this point, Birdie finally realizes that she's already killed Mrs. Jensen. And she tells uh, she tells Chip, oh my God, she's dead. And there's blood, like real blood. It's not like dark blood like it's in the movies. It's real blood. And she's traumatized. And this like definitely changes her character because after this, it's almost very comical after what happens. So Beverly chases Scotty down to the car, his car. He finally gets to his car and he like rolls up his window and she gets it. She can't get in, but he's got a convertible top. And so he's trying to start up the car and she just starts stabbing through that convertible top with her butcher knife. And she <laughs> she goes on this rant. <laughs> she goes through this rant. Always wear your seatbelt as she's trying to stab him through the convertible top. And he Iconic. makes he makes his getaway and speeds out of the video store parking lot. And she quickly runs onto the middle of the street and <laughs> what's the carjacks this guy with her butcher knife and takes off in a fucking van. She oh, says, please. <laughs> she says please get out of your car. <laughs> and he says, Yes, ma'am, and he gets out of the car. She chases him off and they have a car chase where everyone's involved. The family is chasing Beverly, who's chasing Scotty, who are all being chased by this ridiculous amount of police because bingo boys bust the bitch. <laughs> they're all trying to get her. And this all convenes to this like concert venue, like this rock concert venue that's called mm -hmm. the Hammerjacks. <laughs> and Scotty sneaks in with, I'm guessing, a fake ID. Uh-huh. And he gets in and this female band I was not expecting. And it was magnificent. The original band is technically L7, but mm -hmm. they're playing this amazing full female rock band called the Camel Lips. <laughs> this was- They're so good. The birth child of John Waters and his costume designer. They came up with this idea. And from what I gathered from the behind the scenes, the band said the pants were very uncomfortable to wear because the quote unquote camel lips were built into the pants using styrofoam and she said it got very oh hot God. and sweaty down there because <laughs> they're, they're all wearing legging white leggings i might add and uh -huh. you can see the, the band's outline. name i'm just gonna say the band's name okay so you can see the band's name and it's fucking hilarious first of they're amazing i actually really like this performance and i want to mm -hmm. listen to the l7 because it was really fucking good so they're an actual punk rock band. I don't know where they're based, um, but John Waters had seen them prior to filming and wanted to bring them on to play this fictitious band called Camel Lips. And they were like, yeah, we're on board. And he asked them to write a song centered around gas. So they wrote a song named Gas Chamber, uh, which is very foreshadowing of how Scotty gets it uh, coming up because we venture into the concert area and everyone is gagged that Beverly is here. Everyone <laughs> is so excited to see Serial Mom, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so fucking funny because everyone is like rooting for her. Yeah, she's a local celebrity by this point. <clears throat> but she makes her way into the venue. Scotty tries to sneak backstage. At one point, Beverly is moshing, trying to make her way through the <laughs> fucking concert. Uh -huh. It's so good. It's hilarious. She catches up with Scotty. She uses the knife to cut a rope that's holding up a light fixture and it just lands on Scotty. Mm. But before it lands on Scotty, I forgot the lead guitarist, maybe the bassist of Camel Lips, sees Scotty get on stage and immediately fucking uses her guitar to slam <laughs> him into the guts. Yeah. It's so good. So in the in the chase, they make their way off to the like, side of the stage, which is where Beverly cuts the string to make the light fixture 
um, almost kill Scotty. And in the process, when he jumps back, he ends up like jumping on stage. And when the bassist or guitarist sees him, she uses her guitar to bust him in the gut. And then like the crowd just cheers him on. And then this is where uh, Beverly gets her infamous, buckle up Scotty line in and uses a can of hairspray and a lighter to set him on fire. And, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> they think this is like part of the show or what or what, and they just go apeshit. They're egging him on, and even the lead singer of the band takes a swig of her vodka and spits <laughs> it on him to like fuel the flames. It's so fucking rad because the police make their way in, the family make their way in, they bust Bev, but as they're pulling her out, everybody's cheering. Serial mom, serial mom, serial mom. It's so good. I love that it then transpires to like Bev becoming like a media icon and sensation and everybody becomes obsessed with her because five months later, her trial starts. Mm -hmm. And it's probably, I would say the centerpiece of the movie is this trial that happens because it is fucking hilarious. It's a great like culmination to the movie because it's been a wild ride up until this point. And so you know that this this case is just going to be an even wilder ride. Because everyone is obsessed. Everybody's different after these five months. Bev is having a ball in jail. She's having a good time. Don't worry, everybody. She's making the best of it. It's very (laughs) Martha Stewart serving time. She she really has. Uh, Chip is essentially now uh, an agent an agent working his mom and trying to get deals and shows. They recently just got a movie where Suzanne Summers might be playing Bev. Very exciting stuff. How very 90s. How very 90s. Birdie is a whole new person. She's no longer obsessed with horror and wants to end violence now. <laughs> Passing out pamphlets to end violence. It is crazy. Eugene's also like reading up on like crime and punishment, wanting to get rid of the gas chamber. It's Mm -hmm. fucking hilarious, quite honestly, to see where everybody ends up by the end of this. It's great. It's a wild ride. And I love that they're totally capitalizing on this whole like courtroom drama phenomenon that's going on. And that's what exactly what it is. And that's what it feels like. I think it's John Waters was so smart and building like this in crazy intense day for the Lord of a Sunday that she goes on. And then this is where the movie ends because honestly, I wasn't expecting the movie to end here. And it's actually a really nice like end cap to everything. It really is. Cause we finally get to her trial and we get to her lawyer's opening statements and he's trying to plead like uh, every, every side has to make their case. Like when the trial first starts. And so he's making his case and he's painting her out to be this, you know, beautiful suburban mother yada 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 and the whole time beverly is kind of like taking in the jury and she sees that one of the jurors is wearing white shoes after labor day oh my god and that's just a fashion faux pas we can't do that and so no 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 no, no, honey no no this is fringe (laughs) so she interrupts her lawyer's conversation and she writes on her notepad she's pointing on her notepad and she says juror number six wearing white shoes after labor day and her boyfriend her lawyer just looks at her and just like in disbelief like what are you talking about and And bev is like you're underselling bev bev's like look 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 at this how dare she because that's when his lawyer's like 
oh, she's insane. She mm-hmm. fucking did this. And she he flips on her. What a shitty lawyer. Yeah, he tries to plead the case that she's insane and, and is telling whatever. He tries to plead her as insane. And she immediately gets up and fires the lawyer and decides to represent herself. And it's quite hilarious because even though the judge is like, okay, <laughs> sure. But she decides to take on the role as lawyer. And while all of this is happening, we get like intercuts of what the family's doing. Misty is dating this reporter who had been following them throughout the movie. And he's obsessed with her. He wrote a book on Serial Mom. Misty selling t-shirts, flags, keychains, mm-hmm. pens. You want it, we got it. And people are obsessed with Bev. There was a, even a certain point where some people who were buying the merch were like, I would have killed them too. Should, I wish I could kill people. And I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, what the f***? It's, it's so good because we also get Carl's brother who punches Chip. Oh, yeah. Because he's pissed off about it. And Chip's immediately like, well, did you sign your rights? Like, we're trying to get Suzanne Summers to be to play my mom. And his brother immediately switches. And it's hilarious. And he goes... I wonder if Jason Priestley's available. <laughs> <laughs> it's so meta and like self-refer not self-referential, but it's so meta and it's it's just, it's just funny that this came out like pre-Scream because for me like Scream is the self-referential meta like mecca mm-hmm. for me like that's where it all began. So to see that this was prior to Scream was really funny especially within the subject of crime and fascination around it, because literally months after filming this, before it was released, the O.J. Simpson trial became popular beyond disbelief and it held America within its grip. Mm-hmm. And this is insane that he was ready for this before it happened. How foreshadowing. God, you're so smart. I know. So we continue on with our trial. She decides to defend herself. Beverly is essentially approached with all of these witnesses that the other lawyer brings to the stage. Mm -hmm. First up to witness stand is Dottie Hinkle, who, by the way, she looks snatched. I love like the, this like shawl that she had draped over one shoulder. She was ready to testify. She -hmm. was beyond ready to testify. She knew she had Beverly sorted out. She knew it was Mm -hmm. her. She was gonna, Mm -hmm. you couldn't tell her otherwise. She knew the facts. And so she's up there on the stand and she's ready to give her whatever they say in court, deposition. We're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we talk about the calls and Dottie believes that it was her because she heard her that day when they were all hanging out and she knew the inflection of her voice. Mm-hmm. She can't say what she said in court. So then Beverly decides to come at her with her cross-examination and she questions her, are you a drinker? No, 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 I'm not a drinker. Okay, so the day that I came over, were you not drinking a beer? Well, yeah, but what's one beer at lunch? Oh, so you're a liar. I'm not a fucking liar, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Dottie goes from zero to 100 so fast. Uh It's hilarious. Because Beverly knows exactly how to get under Dottie's skin. And Mm -hmm. she knows that undermining her and essentially calling her a liar and calling her an alcoholic, it's going to get under his skin. And so then it's Beverly's done cross-examining her and it's now time for the defendant to cross-examine Dottie. And as as he does, 
<laughs> Beverly's across the courtroom, like mouthing uh, words over at Dottie. Yeah. And she goes, she didn't you see her? She just said, fuck you to me. In the middle of the courtroom. And the judge is starting to tell her like, Miss, H- Miss Henson, you, you like, cannot you speak like this. You need to get under control. You can't be having these outbursts. And Beverly is just egging her on from across the courtroom. And finally Dottie just she goes, well, f- you too then. <laughs> and get her out of this court. And Dottie goes off saying you're a fuck and it's hilarious to see that she couldn't even say the words at the beginning of this movie and here she is giving her every word in the book suck uh i'm surprised she also didn't say uh in there too it's the best like character arc and I loved every second of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was throwing every slur she could find out there. It was was so good. And from that witness, we move on to the stoner chick, don't we? We do move on the stoner chick, but before the stoner chick makes her appearance, we get a surprise, surprise audience member is Suzanne Summers makes an appearance in the courtroom mm-hmm. and the whole courtroom loses their shit. Everybody starstruck. believe Suzanne Summers is here. And I find it funny watching it now because Suzanne Summers isn't exactly popular. That's how you could tell. You could totally tell that this was in the 90s because that was at the height of her career. It's so it's so fucking good because she's researching when she's gonna play Beverly. But mm-hmm. after that, we get our stoner chick, and it's it's so funny. We talked about stoners on four twenty and how we don't like a lot of the stereotypes, and in this one, it's just fucking hilarious. It's hilarious because it's very tongue in cheek, and you know, like it is very. They know what they're doing. This is all very stereotypical things. So the stoner chick takes the stand to give her version of what happened and it's all mm-hmm. over the place she don't know what's going on she's changing her story it becomes discredited so she moves past that and that's perfectly fine and then we bring on detective grace who this is my this is the only part of the movie that i found very uncomfortable dated and just transphobic quite honestly yeah. it's very transphobic because Beverly uses the trash men to dig through the detective's trash because the detective's on there to state that she's guilty because in her trash, we found evidence. So he's trying to use her her reading material, which was like autobiographies of like Charles Manson, Ted Bundy. It was nothing but like serial killer writings and all of that sort. And so she's trying to use like, don't judge people by what they read on as evidence. And so she has a trash man dig through his trash where they find pornography titled Chicks with Dicks. And the audience, or excuse me, like the, the courtroom erupts in laughter and everybody mocks him and makes fun of him. Um, and he says, I am a grown man and yada, yada, yada. And it like discredits him. And I, mm-hmm. and from there it discredits the whole issue. And quite honestly, this is the only part of this weirdly offensive, not offensive <laughs> movie that I found most offensive and ridiculous, yeah. especially since John Waters is overtly queer and we're using this type of piece of evidence as a way to discredit someone and humiliate them as Mm -hmm. if liking someone who is trans is vile and Mm -hmm. shouldn't be accepted so that's or 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 using it to discredit somebody yeah and that's my biggest gripe with this and it's very telling of this time period Mm -hmm. and i don't want to use that as an excuse because this is very overtly transphobic and it is it's very uncomfortable absolutely passed over yeah it doesn't last for too long and that's not to excuse it um but it is like 
<laughs> amongst the like foul language and very dark tones of this movie it's the only real offensive thing in my personal opinion it's the only real offensive thing and the only thing that really really hasn't like aged well it has not aged well and it just rubs you the wrong way but like i said it's mentioned and then it's it moves on so it's just unfortunate that that moment's in there because it is like the only like part of the movie that i just don't like it's the mm -hmm. only part quite honestly yeah so moving on from that. <laughs> moving on from there, we got Rosemary, who's trying to get her and trying to get her fucking revenge and state that that was my iron. How dare you? Oh, the iron, the fire poker. I was like, iron, what are you mm -hmm. talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my iron pills, you took them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rosemary takes a stand and she tells them about how um, Beverly disappeared at the flea market. And when she came back, there was gore on her fire poker. And so when it comes time for Beverly to cross-examine Rosemary, she uses Rosemary's not recycling as a way to invalidate her character. <laughs> and the I, whole courtroom freaks out. I love it because one, I don't know why, and maybe it was just because of the way I was raised, but I remember very vividly in elementary school them teaching us about how important it was to recycle. You had to recycle in order to save the planet. Da, da, da. It was it's ingrained into me. So until this very day, I'm a big recycler. I recycle everything that can't be like thrown in the trash. And so I just thought it was hilarious and I related very much to them discrediting her because she doesn't recycle. And she, so she cross-examines her and she asks her, Rosemary, do you recycle? And Rosemary's just very shocked and she doesn't know what to say. So she says, no. And everybody's just gobsmacked. <gasps> they can't believe that she, she, I don't have enough counter space in my kitchen to recycle. <laughs> and so just her not recycling is enough to discredit everything that Rosemary set up until this point. It's perfection. And the fact that that's the discrediting is just, I, John Waters, you're so fucking smart. It's so funny. But the last person we get is Marvin Pickles, the purevert who was in the bathroom. The prever at the glory hole. So how does she get her way out of this one? She pulls like a Sharon Stone in basic <laughs> instinct and like flashes her legs open and it distracts Marvin. And... <laughs> I don't know how to describe the leg slapping she does because she can... <laughs> the leg Cause, slapping because no one else can notice but she's underneath the desk slapping her thighs and legs together <laughs> over and over I and mean... it causes Marvin to be distracted and it's fucking <laughs> what what it's that's what good sounds like oh, shut up <laughs> he's a pervert and she knows he's a pervert so she know and she's a pervert too essentially so she knows Very how to pervert. she knows how to get to him so she like slouches down slouches down in her chair and then her little courtroom pencil skirt starts slapping her thighs together and flashing it's in her underwear so wild he's just losing his shit while the lawyer's trying to cross-examine him and he just completely changes his story he's like i don't know I, i've never seen a woman i i've never seen her before in my whole life and then that's where it culminates and he's discredited and we move on with the case by the end of the trial we finally figure out what's happened everyone's eager and excited to figure out what's happened and beverly is acquitted of all charges everybody's ecstatic she's immediately mobbed by the news and mm -hmm. fans she's given flowers people tell that they love her that of course she didn't do it but of course beverly is still distracted by the one by juror number six 
who's not who's wearing white after Labor Day. After they announce that she's uh, quitted of all charges, we cut to the family who's like half excited, half nervous. And Very. then Misty turns turns to her newfound boyfriend and he's like, how am I gonna meet her? She's like, well, whatever you do, just just don't piss her off. Don't make her mad. <laughs> I love it. I love it because everyone knows that she's bullshitting and she's so good at it. She's mm-hmm. so good at it. After all of that and the media starts fanning, she escapes and gets a little out of the way so she can follow this juror who gets on the phone with her mom and is immediately like, we saved her mom. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I knew she didn't do it. Yeah, she calls her mom to like praise about like what a good case, what a good job they've done in acquitting the serial killer of all charges. Of course, Bev approaches her and we get probably so- the most iconic scene because this is the scene that always sticks in my head. This ending for some reason is just perfection quite honestly mm-hmm. so she walks over behind her hangs up the phone for her and she goes you can't wear white after labor day that's not true anymore Shack. and she's like yes it is didn't your mother tell you now you know she's like no please fashion has changed <laughs> no it hasn't and smacks her again with the phone and murders her with the telephone pole she she's so creative freddie wishes Freddie wishes. She beat her to death with a payphone in the courtroom, in a courthouse. She doesn't give a fuck. She just got acquitted. So she makes her way back to the media and Suzanne Summers is being pushy. She's like, oh my God, everybody take a picture. You stand here. Beverly's trying to fight with her. Mm-hmm. Suzanne's like, no, you stand here. I love Beverly's out first because it's so gay. Suzanne Summers, this is my bad side. And everyone's like, oh. This bitch is crazy. Well, that's where we get the blood curdling scream by the person who's found the dead juror. And then that's when we cut to Susan Sarandon uh, and Susan shock. Sarandon, Suzanne Summers. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne Summers. <laughs> we get this shot of Suzanne Summers shocked, turning back to uh, Beverly. And we get this great, like, close up shot of Beverly. This most sinister like devilish look on her face with this arched eyebrow snatched bitch she's with iconic this lighting darling backlighting because she's always got a halo lighting mm-hmm. she's got front lighting Suzanne Summers is gagged and gooped and that's the end of the movie and we cut there and we get the best like last line of uh Beverly refused to cooperate with the making of this film and that's where we end and we get our credits what this movie is just insane it is the campiest weirdest like uh, uh, final thoughts is is my question for you i am totally biased and i grew up watching this movie i know it by heart i love this movie i own this movie so i'm biased and i'm gonna have to give it a five out of five because it's one of my favorite john waters movies i love john waters films and this is easily like top five for me I love that you did this. I don't blame you. I do not blame you. This movie is just like such a great satire on like true crime dramas. I love this campy, sweet, delicious treat of like a black comedy. <laughs> yes. Um, I, to be controversial yet brave, I don't know if I'd fully consider it horror, 
But I do believe that there are elements in there that are horror and it has this fondness for the genre Mm -hmm. and an understanding of it and what makes it so funny and subversive to look at that it's perfect. Uh, It's like a gay lifetime original movie with elements (laughs) of horror. I like to call it like a John Waters dark comedy that's horror adjacent. I could see that. Uh, I'm going to give it honestly like a four out of five is Mm -hmm. what I would rate it. I think it's so much fun. This movie is ridiculous and it knows that it's ridiculous. And Kathleen Turner just gives the best campiest villain performance. It is great. It is great. She gave it her all and it, and it she did 100% paid off. You can tell that she was in it for the win. She saw the character. She knew what John wanted. She knew what to do with the character and it pays off so beautifully because it is a dark comedy to be treasured. It's a fucking hilarious dark comedy, to be quite honest. I'm so happy we finally got to watch this movie. I'm so happy I finally got to fully watch this movie. Yeah, And I can see why you f- are so fond of it. It, it holds I, up. It met the expectation that you set, quite honestly, because I was worried I wasn't going to like it nearly as much as you did. No. Love. Love. <laughs> and if you're loving us, please follow us on our Instagram at The Carpenter Queens. You can follow us on Twitter at The Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. And my personal account is at STFU Ray. And before we close out today's episode, let's let them know what next week we're doing. Next two weeks, quite honestly, I'm a little nervous because they are very big heavy hitters in the horror community. We both adore these movies. I know the production history on this, but it's going to be heavy. And that's the stuff that I love. Very excited to, for the next two in our month of mothers. Yeah, rounding out our month of mothers are two heavy heavy hitters Mm -hmm. two classics in the horror genre so they are going to be lengthy episodes i'm sure they're going to be meaty with production notes so Mm. i know someone can't wait so meaty next week listeners we are heading to the remote and dark bates motel to talk all about alfred hitchcock's classic Psycho from 1960. Oh, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. I can't wait. I can't wait to continue our month of massacre mothers. This is going to be great. And I cannot wait to talk about it. I'm excited, my queerdos, and I hope you guys are too. I can't wait for next week's episode, guys. So until then, you can catch us on the flip side. Bye, guys. Bye, 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 bye. bye.